All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Daily Faceoff podcast comes courtesy of The Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthume and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 7, Episode 20 of the Daily Face-Off Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Segan, and with me, as always, I've got Dylan D. Berthume and Michael Biebs Bondi. I hope you boys had a good holiday. Happy New Year. It's good to be yep. back. D, how's it going, buddy? Uh, doing pretty good. Happy to be here. I uh, got my boost earlier today, so feeling a little drowsy. but Super boosted. Uh, Somehow avoided catching COVID over the holidays, unlike uh, you there, Brock. So I guess I should be grateful for that. I'm yeah, not even going to address that one because I don't want to touch that just because I don't want to dance with the COVID voodoo, but I'm also yeah. safe. Yeah, I got boosted just just uh, the natural way, I guess. I mean, I had the first two. I was I was ready to get the, the booster, and then I just got it anyway. It was it was terrible. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it is what it is. Yeah, we, I believe everyone, the last Everyone's episode. seemingly getting it now, so... The last episode we started on, I was all pumped about going to the Red Wings game. And I'm like, yeah, no, COVID's not too bad yet. Um, we're going to be fine. And then since then, shit's hit the fan. So um, I'm going to take all blame. Um, yeah. That's on me. I'm just going to close my mouth from now on. Yeah. Dude, it's crazy, though. Like, it ripped through, like, my whole family. Like, we all tested and tested negative. Like, trying to be safe. All tested before Christmas. Everybody was negative. And, like, the next day, we found out my aunt was positive And Jeez. is it like that it just it just like... start like no like we don't we didn't have symptoms for like four days after but like 
my wife tested positive like two days later my mom my tested wife. positive like three days later like and just ripped through and like you could see like how it would rip through an nhl team like like so oh, yeah. fast because like once one person gets it it's, it's pretty much over like well the so- rumors are going that you did this for science just to see how it does go through an nhl team so thank you brock for committing to 120 percent to um hockey I'm pretty sure the last episode before you got it too, we made a pledge to not talk about COVID, and then it was we like, did. Oh yeah, right. Oh yeah, we, yeah. we again. It's been uh, two minutes and five seconds as, as the most that we're going to talk about it on today's episode. It's fair because what because you got it. I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. that no. you we bump up our numbers if if one of us gets it. But uh, all right, obviously COVID is mm-hmm. is a huge thing in the NHL. But when I tweeted out. <laughs> Uh, yesterday I said, what's on your fantasy hockey mind besides all of your players missing time due to COVID-19? So we know that everyone's missing players. Uh, there's, you know, it changes daily. We're not going to be able to talk about all the players that are out and all the players who are coming back because there's so many names. Uh, but with the new guidelines, it looks like as long as you test negative or as long as you're asymptomatic, um, you can return in five days, which is a lot better than the 10. You might only miss a game. You might maybe miss two, three at the most. Um, so a lot of these players are returning rather quickly, which is making it a little bit easier. It did get real wild there for a little bit. Yeah. But, how, um, how brutal was that break? Every Everyone you see in public is just like, hey, man, um, I need a tip. Like, who, who do I play? It's like uh, someone from the West Coast. I don't I don't fucking know. Uh, literally anyone who has, who has a hockey game. Yeah, literally <laughs> it was like, I have no clue, man. Like, look at my line up there are 10 covid ir dudes on it also um god bless the heavy ir leagues right now because they're being sweet and really well used yeah oh yeah my uh like like people were just asking like who do like or my one league they're like does this week count i'm like i think there's been one hockey game this week like there's no way <laughs> i'm like but i don't control that like yahoo or espn wherever you're playing they'll they'll figure something out like obviously yeah it was luckily a two-week uh it was a two-week stretch last week so it kind of made it fair for most matchups uh thank god because if it was only that first week if you had anyone on nashville la or vegas you won and if you had anyone else you just sat there and stared at an empty team so um yeah it was a good week turning (laughs) into a good two weeks it was good times but uh it's been a while since we've last done a show uh we did one right before kind of the christmas break um, and then took a couple weeks off here, and now we're back. So basically what we're going to do on today's episode is just kind of look back at the fragmented last couple of weeks uh, and, and who's really been trending upwards recently and on the other side of the spectrum, who's been trending downwards, whose performance just really hasn't quite lived up to that draft day uh, value as of late. And then in the second half, we're just going to take a look at the Vesna, Norris, and Calder trophies and, and – where the odds currently sit on points bet right now and discuss who we think either a, you should put a bet on if you, if you've got any disposable income or some Christmas bucks lying around that you want to maybe turn into some extra cash. So we're going to talk about the Vesna, the Norris and the Calder um, in the second half, but to just open things up to get back into the swing of things. Let's talk about players who have been trending upwards as of late and the first um i guess nine players actually all play um it's three different line combinations i should say and the first one we're going to talk about is st louis two uh which is currently jordan Cairo, robert thomas and vladimir tarasenko uh Cairo and thomas are two players that we've talked about quite a bit um already this season uh, about players that we really like to kind of break out um and they sure they certainly have as of late. Jordan Cairo, obviously, just a Going ridiculous crazy. 
performance in the winter classic four points just outstanding and uh, this line as a whole has been absolutely clicking unfortunately uh, prior to or after I should say I prepped for today's show Vladimir Tarasenko was added to the COVID-19 protocol list which isn't all that surprising but uh, let's start with Jordan Cairo uh, after that four-point performance in the winter classic he had another nice night after that he now has 11 goals 12 assists 23 points and 55 shots that's just in his last 20 games <laughs> 23 points in his last 20 games uh for the season he's missed four games so he's only going to play 78 games maximum but he's still on pace for 34 goals 52 assists and 86 points across 78 games so uh just an outstanding season a real breakout from jordan Cairo. um and it, it's funny because like he's kind of been doing this uh, playing pretty well. Last couple of weeks, he's really taken off. But he wasn't even supposed to play with Thomas and Tarasenko. He was supposed to play on the third line. Pavel Buchnevich got sick the one day. They moved Kairou up. He went nuts. And they've just been going nuts together ever since. Yeah, I think he was the only one who got his hands on a pair of hot mitts before that game because uh, it kind of <laughs> looked like it. It looked cold as shit, but Kairou was just going crazy. It was so uh, – it was noticeable. What a, what a coming out um, – game and uh, i think it speaks volumes that like you said he just finally stepped up to the second line and he still has these absolutely absurd numbers um i like kairu a ton right now i mean it's crazy to say that it's gonna get better it seems like it's gonna get better because 33 points in 30 games you're getting like you know top 50 production out of this kid right now and, and it's pr- pretty sweet um for someone that people definitely drafted at the end of their drafts so uh i'm big on that big on this line st louis is a uh, a mini wagon right now yeah, I you know it's yeah, been nice really to see Kairou um, jump up to that second line. Like you said, Brock, that was I, I think our main kind of complaint about him earlier in the season. Um, but certainly, obviously, you know that leads to a lot of potential um, when they do get that expanded opportunity. So uh, really nice to see him get that extended run in the top six. Uh, you know, obviously the shooting percentage is a little bit high right now, uh, shooting sixteen point nine percent. He is a career fourteen percent shooter though, so certainly. Um, not too far out of what could be considered sustainable for him. Seems to be obviously an above average shooter. Uh, on shooting percentage at 13%, obviously, you know, it's not a surprise that it would be a little little high considering how hot um, that second line has been. So uh, a little bit of regression coming, but when you consider the fact that he's got 33 points uh, in 30 games, uh, you can imagine that he's still going to be a very productive fantasy player when he does, uh, you know, kind of come back down to earth. Um, and, there's always the potential that he continues to see more ice time, right? He's, uh, you know, while he is uh, playing more, uh, as you said, Brock, and he, and he climbed back uh, into the top six there, um, he's still averaging around 16 and a half minutes a game in his last 10 games. Um, and so certainly another minute or two potential um, yeah. ice time to be had there. The thing about St. Louis is they're one of the deeper teams in the league this year, especially up front. So uh, they tend to be really balanced, even if, you know, that's probably a bit of a debate between what's really their their best line at this point between the first and second line. So don't know how many more minutes there are going to be there regardless to be had. Um, but either way, it's really good to see him shooting more of late 27 shots in his last 10 games. So creeping up closer to three shots a game. Uh, and like I said, even with that uh, increased shooting volume in that stretch, still shooting 18 and percent. So always been a very um, hot shooter. And like I said, certainly capable of, of scoring above. Uh, the average right there. So it's all pointing in the right direction for Kairou. And, um, you know, the only real threat would be dropping back down the lineup at this point. And I can't imagine that would happen anytime soon. Yeah, it doesn't seem like something that they would do. Uh, it is interesting. You say they're one of the deepest teams in the league. Uh, 
oddly crazy enough, like, deep. Yeah, before Tarasenko and a couple other guys went on COVID nineteen today, uh, in their last game they actually played with their uh, their full complement of forwards, and it was just crazy. Like you see. Uh, Braden Shen on being moved to the wing because they have so much uh, center depth and he's the third line right winger. It's just like this team is exceptionally deep. And and then you yeah. look again, just uh, to talk about this line for a, a couple more minutes here, but uh, right now they're averaging 3.04 expected goals for per 60, 37 scoring chances for per 60, Ooh. just absolutely elite production from them. Yeah. Uh, to talk about the other two here, Robert Thomas, uh, somebody that we talked about a lot and maybe a little bit more as a streaming target earlier in the season because he just didn't have that shot volume. His shot volume has actually picked up a little bit um, in, in the last you know month or so. In his last nine, um, 19 games, he has 19 points, just three goals over that span. But uh, three goals, 16 assists, 19 points, 37 shots in those 19 games. So under um, just under 2.0 uh, shots per game. So still, the shot volume isn't great but it's better than what it was at the start of the year when he was barely shooting the puck. It's hilarious. This guy's on pace for 69 points this season. Nice. Only eight goals. Eight goals, 61 assists, which is just an, an outrageous stat yeah. line. We're, Gets we're talking like, even, so someone has yeah. to take over as that guy. Yeah, some Yakim Voracek type numbers there. Henrik Sedin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, honestly, it's nice to see the shot volume improving a little bit, but like for what you got Thomas for, obviously he's a pickup off the wire like just right off the goal value. You don't expect anything to come yeah. out of it. But kind of like you, what you alluded to Brock, you know, I think if he gets the double digit goals this season, he'll be fortunate. Um, but the assists are going to be there and they're going to be there in bunches. He plays a ton of minutes uh, in all situations. We talked about how deep uh, that team is Robert Thomas averaging over 19 minutes a night. So uh, it gives you a, an idea of just how valuable he is to that coaching staff and how highly they think of him. Uh, and obviously he's a terrific playmaker playing with two very, very good wingers. Um, and yeah, even if that lineup shifts a little bit, again, it's very deep. There's a lot of other um, good complimentary players that he can end up with. So I think he's, you know, easily going to be around and assist every other game the rest of the way. Um, the goals, I, like I said, I just wouldn't expect to get anything out of him. And anytime you do just take it as a bonus. Yeah, no, even, even he's floating around in many deep team leagues. I think, uh, in, in DNI's 12 team keeper league, he just got picked up two days ago, which is kind of crazy. So if he is there, like you said, I, I think there's a lot of people on ro- rosters who can be dropped for a guy like this. Um, and, and another thing about this line is, is with a team this deep, they, and getting this many scoring chances, they wear out other teams, top pairs so hard. They just destroy their D and, uh, it just makes things better for everyone. So yeah, no, I, I love everything going on with this pair um especially you know if you can get your hands on any of them right now it's kind of they're, they're the hot line in the nhl yeah robert thomas just 37 percent owned so still widely available it's yeah. quite it's quite surprising to see jordan Cairo just at 78 percent so uh if he's floating around somehow in your league make sure you get to the wire and pick up jordan Cairo right now obviously this line could cool off a little bit because you can't cook for that long but with tarasenko out that's a little bit uh upsetting as well and then just quickly crazy though just bushnevich just rolls in so it's like oh yeah we'll just bring in another potential point per game player that's cool exactly yeah they're incredibly deep but uh obviously we kind of all know what vladimir tarasenko is about we don't have to talk about him too much but i will just add uh he has 15 points in his last 10 games seven goals eight assists 15 points and 33 shots in his last 10 games um, that is a 34 goal, 48 uh, assist, 82 point 
285 shot pace. So Damn. point per game pace for Vladimir Tarasenko. Would be um, a career year. Seattle didn't grab exactly. him. Why? Yeah. I, I, I tweeted that out a, a week or so ago. It's like oh, they I mean. could have had this guy for free and they were just like, <laughs> nah. But yeah, yeah, as you mentioned, D, um, probably not going to get to his 40 goal campaign that he had in 2016, but his previous career high. Uh, it was just 75 points. I should say just, but 75 points on pace for his first 82-point uh, season here. So uh, moving right along here to um, another red hotline, and that is New York Rangers 1. Uh, Mika Zibanejad is somebody that we were talking about a little bit earlier in the season after he got off to a bit of a sluggish start. Um and he's really kind of awesome. put a lot of that behind him. I think, you know, the one thing that us and, and, and Zibanejad owners have become accustomed to is that uh, this man is very, very streaky. He did just have one goal in his first nine games. But in his last six games, he has six goals, three assists, nine points, and 26 shots over that span. So uh, a lot of that also coming in the last couple games without Artemi Panarin. So it's nice to see. Uh, Zabanajad and company really stepping up when Panarin leaves the lineup. Yeah, put the bread man back in that mix, and, and it just gets better. Like you said, uh, if you're a Zabanajad owner and you don't know to ride the highs and lows, then it's just you're, you're not a real Zabanajad owner. Um, that, <laughs> that's just how it goes, and and we're watching it happen right now. Like you said, seven points in his last five. Um, I'm pretty worried because someone in this podcast I'm playing against has him, and while he's on this <laughs> super hot streak. Um, I also had to take him on last year when he was going through those five point games. And, uh, we, we, we know more like five goal games. Thank you very much. Five goal games. Sorry. Yeah. We know more than anyone that (laughs) this this guy can do it. Um, I love Zbigniew. I think he's almost a buy low right now. Um, but probably until next week when he's over a point per game. So, you know, classic, classic Mika. Um, he's going to piss you off a huge bunch, but he's also going to make you just selly. Um, incredibly. When you're weeks by himself. Yeah. When you're like, Oh, I could have set my whole one up. (laughs) Boys, what do we make of Capo Caco? Like, is it if uh, I, you know, it, it yeah. may be an easy conclusion to reach, but I feel like if he's not putting up points now when he's getting mm-hmm. the minutes on a line that's actually playing really well, like, when are we ever going to get production out of this guy? There was a yeah, time that- stretch there where I got incredibly horned up because it was like, yes, Capo Caco looks like he's, we finally got that second overall pick um, there. And then he's just gone right back to nothing um, with, with, I think you're talking about the one, two goal game he had probably right against that was it. That was it (laughs) from the, from the middle of, from the middle of November to the, um, the end of the month, he had in eight points, three goals, five assists, uh, stretch in seven games. He had eight points in seven. Um, and then since then he has three points, one assist in his last (laughs) 13 games plays um you know he's shooting 8.7 percent over that stretch 16 minutes 14 seconds per night yeah it's uh that is definitely a bit alarming um you know he's somebody that you definitely can stack with these guys on DraftKings because he's like yeah. three thousand dollars but on his in a season-long league he's just still returning um next to zero value yeah, yeah I, I think he's just... a great streaming option like he's just 10 yeah. percent owned right so i especially with how frail um, our fantasy lineups are these days, I think everyone could probably use as many streamer or use as many streamers as their league would allow. You know, matchup acquisitions uh, limits would allow. So, uh, yeah, I think he's a really good fit for that because obviously, whenever you get someone playing that many minutes on a really solid first line and a and a pretty solid power play unit, uh, there's always the potential. But yeah, it's getting it's getting pretty frustrating. 
Yeah, it's uh, I think that's just New York's uh, MO for rookies for us, because obviously we know what's going on with Lafreniere. Um, obviously, Kako's not a rookie, but it just continues in year three. I uh, I, I hate any prospect that comes out of at, from New York. Um, it's just <laughs> happening because you you put stock in them, any stock whatsoever, and they burn you like this. Um, like D said, he's a good pop him in there. Maybe he'll, he'll have another two goal game. Who knows? Um, but I'm not I'm not rushing after this guy, um, which blows my mind because when you're playing with the two others, it's just it's like you're trying not to get points at that point. <laughs> I don't I wouldn't maybe go quite that far. Yeah. Um, but the, the ref's the like, one... who got that second assist? He's like, not me, not fucking me. They're like, Kako, we saw you make that pass. <laughs> like, no, 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 not not this guy, not this guy. Goals only. <laughs> Anyways. Just trying not to get points out here. Um, the one thing that is impressive, though, is that, you know, well, I've talked about it quite a bit on my YouTube show, breaking it down from a DFS perspective, is that the Rangers, by and large, were terrible at 5v5 um, to start the season, much of last year as well. They have improved in that area, and I imagine that that's probably why Kako continues to play on that line because, they, you know, they're much better now um than they were earlier in the season this line right now 53.7 expected goals for percentage share so much improved over you know being in the mid 40s like they were earlier in the season uh again chris Kreider, somebody that we kind of um you know everybody knows about what you're going to get out of chris Kreider. he's always going to be you know goals, basically goals, 100 100 percent owned and just kind of give you a baseline of production right now 10 points in his last ta- six games three goals seven assists 21 shots over that span um, you know, just an absolute power play maven, this guy. He's a wagon. This guy's crazy. He's on pace for 48 goals, and that's that. That's actually because he's slowed down. He was on pace for 56, I believe, the last time we talked about him, which is hilarious. Um, I mean, the 19-point-whatever percent shooting percentage has to go down, right? But at this point, we're getting halfway through the season. Um, it's I exactly mean, what he shot a season ago, too. Wild, wild. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I kind of like Chris Kreider more than most. But, yeah, he's, uh, like you said, power play god. 12 power play goals. That's bonkers. This guy's going for like, I don't what I'm not even gonna touch the power play record because Ovi has it for sure. Um, but he's gotta be uh, you know, the next highest guy behind Ovi to do it in the last like 10 years. I don't know. Pulling that stat out of my ass. Yeah, I think you're just making it up as you go here, but absolutely. We'll, we'll have our fact checker look into that yeah, one. He, for he you. just remembered Gretzky existed. Like how yeah. say No, that? I meant like the last like five years now. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. Like, the time slot on it at the end there. Yeah, absolutely. Cause yeah, because goalies got pads recently. Right. right, right. <laughs> yeah. If you look at Chris Kreider's last, you know, last season and this season combined, if you combine those two seasons, it's 84 games played. So roughly a full or like, you know, just over a full season, 40 goals, 21 assists, 61 points over that stretch. Incredible. Ooh, that's not bad. He's still, he's still someone that I would look to move. And I think it's buyer oh, beware yeah. if, if you are looking to trade for Chris Kreider, obviously there's potential for him to, to keep scoring at a, a pretty alarming rate, but um, you know, even though the shot volume is there and it's, it's really nice, um, to see that take that step forward again, the 19.6, it's just pretty concerning that, and just, especially, I, I know I've said this before about him, um, and he hasn't really slowed down yet, but he just doesn't, there's nothing to fall back on if he's not scoring goals. Um, and that's why, you know, regardless of the fact that he's been a pretty consistent 20 to 25 goal scorer in his career, you can find him on the waiver wire in leagues more often than not, because, you know, he's going to tap out at around 45 to 50 points. So, um, yeah, even still with this kind of career season he's having, you know, still just 11 assists in 34 games. Like I said, there's just nothing there to fall back on. So if the shooting percentage, if he cools down at all, um, you're really not going to be getting anything out of him. So that's why I would look to move him and why I wouldn't look 
to give up too much if if uh, you guys are thinking of bringing them on your fantasy team. Yeah, I yeah. moved him for Gensel earlier in the league um, when Gensel was a little cold early on. Very and, uh, nice. He's looking like a beautiful move right now. No regrets there. No regrets. Yeah, uh, just to add on to that, 23 of those 40 goals were on the power play for Chris Kreider. Um, next on the list is Tampa Bay 1. Not so much, um, you know, trending because of how many points they're picking up, which which they still are. Um, because they're incredible. But just the fact that Nikita Kucherov returned to the lineup tonight, obviously is going to provide yeah, them with a massive, up. yeah, with an absolutely massive boost. Heard of him? Um, you know, if you were disappointed by, you know, the lack of Braden Point, you know, being in your lineup for a while, uh, he's returned with eight points in five games. Uh, then you get Kucherov back tonight. So, you know, the one thing I will say that I mostly wanted to talk about when bringing this up was, um, you know, if you are somebody which he is currently um, 88% owned who owns Andre Palat, you know, there's two ways of looking at this is, is one, you know, Palat is going to be great now because Kucherov's back, he's on his line, yada, yada, yada. The other way of looking at it is that Palat is now going to be on the second power play unit again, and that would likely hurt his production. Um I guess the one thing I will say on that is in his last 14 games, Plot has 15 points, only one of which has come on the power play. So the way he's been clicking, maybe doesn't need the power play production with Kucherov back. Especially yeah. Kucherov yeah, back, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it could level out, like like you said, like like that. Just having that, I mean, extreme point production on your on your five or 5v5 line, it could definitely level out. Um, I mean, he's still going to touch that second power play. You got to assume if anyone goes down, he's jumping right into one. Um, yeah. Uh, let's be realistic too, right? He's the fifth option when he's out yeah. there on that, on that first always, unit, right? So that's why, you know, the power play production hasn't been um, as I guess, substantial as his five V five production has been uh, over the last few years. Cause yeah, when he does, you know, find some time on that top unit, it's nice, but again, he, it's, you know, it's not, it's never going to be by design if he's the one scoring for them uh, on the power play. It's because, you know, a team kind of overextended and taking the other options away. So um, so certainly, you know, you'd pr- rather him be there, no doubt. But I-, I think he's shown the last few years, he's kind of a bit of a uh, a unicorn in some sense. He doesn't need to shoot the puck a ton. Um, if he's playing with those, with the kind of the top talent in Tampa, he's a pretty solid playmaker. He's going to be picking up a lot of primary and secondary apples. So uh, yeah, I think if you have him, like you have to kind of respect the value that he gives you. I know we've kind of poked fun at him over the years for maybe being a little bit overrated uh, from a fantasy hockey perspective. But yeah, I, I don't think you, we can scoff too much at his production um, that we've seen the last few years. And uh, yes, it's obviously directly tied to his line mates and the opportunity he gets on that team, but there's no reason that that's going to change anytime soon. Uh, so yeah, I think you got to respect what he brings to your team. You know, he's probably a 65 point guy. You can kind of treat him as for, you know, what you can expect as a, for a point per game pace sort of thing. Um, and he's, you know, he's been really healthy the last few years as well. So, um, you know, if you're looking to move him, uh, it's a good time to do it because Kucherov's back. He's playing with point on the top line. Uh, but again, I, you got to respect the value that he has and I wouldn't be looking to sell him off or anything I can get. Um, just another quick mention, obviously you just talked about how well Jake Gensel's played as of late. Brian Rust is on probably the biggest heater in the entire NHL right now, um, including tonight which as of this moment, he has two goals and two periods. So if you take a look at this guy's last 11 periods of hockey, uh, as we are recording here, he has eight goals and three assists um, for 11 points in his last 11 periods. 
He has just been absolutely in fuego. Um, You know, it took Sidney Crosby a little bit to get going. Um, You know, he basically re-entered the lineup and then ended up on COVID protocol. And then now he seems to be back in the swing of things. And uh, Brian Russ is really, you know, paying dividends for his fantasy owners right now. Just insanely hot. Like, I, I, you can't talk about trending up without talking about Pittsburgh 1 and Brian Russ right now. Just insane. Yeah, it seems like almost everything's going in for him, like you said. I mean, he had a goal in Binghamton the other night where he just slammed the puck against his pads. It bopped up in the air, and he smacked it in out of midair. So it was like, it was wow. sick, though. Yeah, it's like but when you're having luck, you're having luck. Uh, that power play looks nasty right now. Um, this is a guy who you always think he's going to you know, slow down or maybe have, like, again, I thought he was a fourth-line player three years ago, and now he's just had a three-point per game or seasons in a row. Um, I really like Rust. I love and Gensel right now. The guy's on what a 16 game point streak, I believe it is. So just everything's looking a lot better in Pittsburgh. And uh, as you were about to talk about, um, Malkin's coming back. So you know what that helps line up the big Russian machine. Yeah. Brian Rust just 79% owned right now, too, which is just outrageous. Uh, him and, you know, if, if it came down to him or, uh, or Jordan Cairo, I think I'm going Rust. How about you guys? Yeah. I'm going Russ as well. Um, just yeah, Russ value. has been a point-per-game player for the last, you know, going on three seasons now. But yeah. it's crazy yeah. that they're both just, uh, you know, 78 79% owned respectively. Uh, just to add to what you were saying about Gensel uh, Biebs, uh, I believe he has a goal and an assist tonight, which mm-hmm. brings him to 14 goals, 11 assists, uh, 25 points over his last 15 games, and or 16 games, excuse me. And yes, a 16-game point streak and that's coming off an injury too i believe so uh so i think there was yeah there was an injury right in the middle of that i believe yeah so it's not he just can't be slowed down um yeah pittsburgh's looking very nice right now with uh everything going on there especially that goalie yeah and and the one thing that i've been talking about quite a bit is how deep that team is and how deep that team is going to be when you get the likes of evgeny malkin back when jeff carter returns now you've got evgeny malkin seemingly coming back every single day like it's like kate tonight's the night he's gonna play (laughs) And then he just doesn't. They're like, nah, just one more day, one more day, which is fine, whatever. We, we've seen this from the Penguins before, right? We never, they yeah. never rush anybody back, especially a guy coming off an ACL. It's not that surprising. But Malkin, 82% owned. Obviously, those 18% are much smaller leagues, but this is a guy that should be 100% owned. He's Evgeny Malkin. He is one of the best point-per-game producers in the last 50 years. Uh, I think it goes to speak with just Rust being, you know, 78% owned and, and Malkin being 82. I, I think there's just 20% of leagues where they probably drafted a lineup and uh, it's been set since September. So um, I think that's got to explain some of this because there's no way, like you said, one of the top point producers in the last little bit um, getting a little older, but also, I mean, it's never slowed him down before. So yeah, if you are in one of those leagues where he's available, I'd definitely be taking a flyer. Yeah. Let go of like, anyone yeah he uh i'm just trying to look it up here um i wanted to just go like make sure i wasn't totally wrong in the last 60 years 50 years excuse me he's 17th in the nhl in points per game that's or sorry 16th in the nhl in points per game pretty good yeah no that's uh yeah and like like i mentioned earlier part of that is when goalies didn't have pads so yes that's pretty impressive very impressive Connor mcdavid number number four yeah, players also couldn't lift the puck off the ice either. They were, yeah. they were uh, skating around with two by fours in their hands. I think it's all it, it's all pretty much just a wash. Um, yeah. Also, Gretzky like outproduced everyone else like two to one in his era, so he's 
He's still Gretzky. I feel like Gretzky 1.92. I don't think that's a hot take, right? Like Gretzky's the greatest player. No, of yeah, all time. no, not a hot take at all. Um, <laughs> no, that'd be a crazy hot take. It like, yeah. do, 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 is there people out there that argue that like all like legitimately like that like yeah. that think, like think they're serious? Get a couple of beers deep at a party, and people love going after the McDavid's better than Gretzky. But like, it, it hasn't happened yet. Like, you can't say it. It's just like, yes, McDavid's great, but like. <laughs> Gretzky had a whole career. Um, Looking at this list here, Gretzky 1.92 points per game um, from since 1962, <laughs> and uh, Connor McDavid 1.43. So That's uh, half a point per game to you know worse right now, but it is what it is. Um, so yeah, Malkin coming back though. Like I don't think I need to say much more than he's 16th all time in points per game in the last 50 years. Obviously, he's just a point per game machine. It's just a matter of staying in the lineup for this guy. Um, you know he's four years removed from a 98 point season. So yeah, 80, what did I say? 82%. Like that's, that's, that's pretty low. I'm, I'm just, I was stunned when I saw that number. Yeah. People just don't like injured players and also people. Yeah. I don't. think there's leagues that have no IR yeah. spots and stuff too. And I'm sure that yeah. has something. To do with and, that. and people got just nine injured players on their team right now. They yeah. Four to and shit. <laughs> yeah. You can't. Really yeah. And I think, yeah. I think unfortunately fantasy hockey lost a lot of momentum over the, uh, whatever yeah. it was 10 day break so yeah daily daily face-off page daily face-off page views uh <laughs> coincided <laughs> with that a little so, bit yeah. yeah but uh all right the last guy we're going to talk about in trending up is jonathan huberto four goals 18 assists 22 points in his last 12 games um you know we we talked about how you know huberto is definitely a, an exceptional player in his own right um, and, and a guy that we were, you know, certain would still be a point per game player if he wasn't playing full time with Barkov. But we weren't 100% sure if he was somebody that was going to be capable of maybe putting up 100 points uh, playing, you know, almost exclusively not with Barkov. Um, and he has like him and Sam Bennett have picked up exactly where they left off a season ago. Sam Bennett's not in the lineup right now because of a suspension and Huberto still clicking on all cylinders. You've got Huberto and now he, him and Duclair seem to have a, an incredible chemistry and this guy just cannot be stopped right now. Yeah. It's all just kind of the same, same old, same old for Huberto. Uh, nine points in his last three games. Absolutely bonkers. Um, he's not even eating that much ice time. It's like 16 to 18 minutes a night. So it's pretty crazy that, you know, if something were to happen or someone were to go down and Huberto were to start getting into the twenties, that production, I think that's when we finally see the hundred, but we could see it this year. Um, he's on pace for 104 right now. Yeah. Um, I, I, I could see it definitely happening. Uh, Huberto is an elite talent and it, it's something they don't talk about cause he's playing out on a beach. So yeah, yeah. I think he's super, super, super underrated. I mean, you can use your your fingers to count the amount of guys that, you know, can threaten a hundred points in an NHL season. And he's been consistently above uh, a point per game the last few years. And we talked about it even at the start of the year that in fantasy, like he doesn't get the respect he deserves because even on the wing um, where he always carries the eligibility normally has some center eligibility as well too. But um, especially on the wing, like, yeah, that kind of point production is just super, super rare. Um, And he's just so reliable. Obviously, you know, the the split isn't great, but he's still going to give you, you know, you can still bank on 25 goals and then, you, you know, it's just a matter of, um, I guess the honest shooting percentage lottery where there, where there's assist land, right. Is it going to be 45 assists or is it going to be 65 assists? And is he going to push for hundred like we saw a few years ago? So yeah, really, really impressive. And obviously, like you said, Brock, the most impressive thing is, uh, you know, some great power play production where he's playing with Barkov. Yes. Um, but very, very productive at five V five, you know, regardless of who they're playing with, he's a, he's a play driver in his own right off the wing uh, and a really unique talent. 
Yeah, uh, it's kind of hilarious as we were talking about this uh, power play goal from Alexander Barkov, assisted by Jonathan Huberto and Aaron Ekblad. Um, it, just to, to give you an idea of how little he's played with Barkov this season, at 5v5, 377 minutes without Barkov, 29 minutes with him. So Whew. not playing together at all, except for obviously on that top power that's play wild. unit, which is yeah. very, very good. Uh, so yeah, I was going to say, that's his 13th. Points. Yeah, 13th power play point already. Uh, that 92-point season, a few years ago, he actually had uh, 34 power play points, which is insane. And I, I'm pretty sure it led the league. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a very reliable source of production for him. Uh, very, very good uh, power play. And if he ever snuck up to Barkov's line at 5v5, it'd be really interesting to see um, what they could do together at this point. Because I feel like it's been a couple seasons now since we've seen them get a good full run together. Yeah, it's kind of like the McDavid Drysettle thing, eh? Like if you like, yeah. they put those yeah. guys together all the time at the end of games. But like, I guess the Panthers just are never trailing. They don't need to. Um, <laughs> the crazy thing is, like, as talented as that power play unit is, it is actually struggled a little bit mm-hmm. this season. So if it even improved, um, the yep. power play production would be that much better. I think a lot of it has to do with Barkov being banged up and kind of in and Keith out of the Yandel's lineup. Gone. I don't think that matters, but uh, (laughs) they're currently, they're currently 19th in the NHL right now, 18.5%. And it's kind of like the one thing that they still need to improve on. But I think that, you know, with due time, given uh, how much talent they have, they'll be fine there. So uh, let's turn the page over to the other side. Uh, The guys that are trending in the wrong direction here. And uh, we're going to start off with David Pasternak, Uh, a little bit surprising. Somebody that really we have not talked about on a segment like this in forever. Um, just one goal, zero assists in his last five games. Um, and then since the, since the start of December, just three points in his last 10 games. Um, a, a very surprising. Coming out of the break, they they broke up that top line as well. He's now with Eric Howla and Taylor Hall. Um, oh, that'll fix it. Yeah, it, it, I mean, <laughs> the problem is just this team as a whole, like even Bergeron and Marshawn, outside of the power play production at 5v5, they're just they're not struggling. really getting any primary scoring luckily for them the guys in the bottom six are actually getting the job done from time to time but this this Bruins team as a whole has just really struggled to put the puck in the net this season and it's it's pretty surprising so you know obviously it's not just Pasternak but this is a guy that you obviously took on his ADP was 7.9 so mid to uh, late first round pick and three points in his last 10 games zero points I think as of tonight as well so maybe three in his last 11 is just not going to get the job done yeah, this is a great buy low if you're one of those teams that's uh, you know has a nice lead in your league. You you have a little bit of cushion. You have a couple extra pieces. I would definitely say go after Pasta. Boston currently 26th in the league in goals for. That's crazy. I never thought I'd see that. Well, um, those three units are, are are part of their offense, but things just aren't really clicking right now. But at the same time, um, David Pasternak's stats don't lie. He, he's he's absolutely dominated these last couple of years. Um, I think things will all come out in the wash. It's kind of scary that this team's done as good as they have with this limited of scoring. Um, but yeah, I, I love Pasta as a buy low. Um, I have him in a league and he is not going anywhere because it, it's got to get better. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, the, the key thing too is hopefully he does get back on that top line and they, they put that line mm-hmm. back together for so long. I mean, they've been really one of the best, if not the best line in the NHL for the last, you know, five, six seasons now. So um, to kind of break it up permanently over a bad, you know, months or month and a half stretch would be um, 
you know, pretty silly. I, I get the idea of, of going for it, you know, for a few games, try to shake things up, get a new look. But I mean, you're the Boston Bruins. Like that's what makes you so difficult to play is that for, you know, one third of the game, the team's got to figure out how they deal with Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron and David Pasternak at both ends of the ice. Um, and he's still shooting the puck a ton, which is absolutely what you want to see. Um, I guess, you know, he's been one of the more reliable goal scorers in the league um, over the last half decade. So, and I don't think that's going to change this year. I mean, we're sitting here talking about how disappointing he's been. He's still got 22 points in 29 games um, with all, you know, the all the wrong puck. Like he's shooting 7.3%. He's still shooting the puck over four times a game. He's a career 13.7% shooter. So, I mean, on average, he should basically be double where he's at. Um, right now he should be closer to 18 goals um, than the nine he, he currently has on ice shooting percentage is down almost at nine percent doesn't seem super low but obviously uh, with how good he is and, and the quality of line mates that he's used to playing with his career average you can imagine is uh, above average he averages 11 and a half for on ice shooting percentage so um, again just nothing bouncing his way my biggest fear is that they don't put that line back together soon enough because you know that's obviously um, the best route for him to kind of get back on track uh, is to play with the best players on that team. And obviously the line mates that he's proven to have uh, an unbelievable amount of chemistry with over the last five or six years. So I'm sure they'll get back to it uh, before too long. Um, but yeah, if you're a Pasternak owner, there's, there's nothing you can really do besides just wait. Yeah. And you know, you, you mentioned that his um, you know, he's shooting still at a very impressive clip. It's not even that he's shooting at an impressive clip. It's, it's, it's by far his, best shot volume of his career he's a guy that's never actually topped 300 shots right now over an 82 game stretch he'd be on pace with 348 shots Ooh. which would be like 70 shots clear of his career high so he's shooting more than he ever has and scoring less than he ever has obviously that 7.8 percent shooting or 7.3 percent shooting percentage really doesn't make a lot of sense um we do this a lot in the preseason, but we love to play the extrapolation game here. And if you extrapolate that shot, current shot total over the remaining 50, uh, I think they have 53 games or whatever this season, and you apply his career shooting percentage from this day forward, you could still get 31 goals out of David Pasternak given the current shot volume. So there's still so much unlocked um, production that. here that you know if you can pry him away from another owner for for literally anything like you know there's so many things that we yeah anything less than draft day value right? yeah it, it would be it would be a huge win for you so um definitely not somebody that i would be worried about as an owner and, and somebody that i would be targeting but uh definitely alarming this is probably i i bet you if you went back and looked at this guy's game logs year year after year you'd be hard pressed to find a 10 game stretch where he only had three points, it would be very, mm -hmm. very difficult to find that. This might, it might be the. So only what you're one. saying is there might, there may have never been a better time to try to trade for David Pasternak than right now. Pretty that. much, pretty much what we are saying on the Daily Face Off podcast. Patrick fine, Kane fine, is fine. next. Um, another yeah, Brock, guy. Why do you hate Patrick Kane? I don't hate Patrick Kane. I just hate the Chicago Blackhawks Thank as a whole. Uh, but yeah, Patrick Kane. I mean, he hasn't I'm been a lot of arguments on that these days. He hasn't been. Um, yeah, that's so true. He hasn't been terrible, uh, but he hasn't been great either. In his last 10 games, he has zero goals, seven assists. Uh, and then in his last, uh, what is it, 17 games, he has one goal in his last 17 games. Um, 11 points over that stretch. Granted, during that 17-game stretch, one goal, he is shooting 
1.9% over that time. He does have 52 shots in 17 mm-hmm. games. So the shot volume remains solid. Uh, definitely, again, I, I think that, you know, we're going to talk about some stars here that are underperforming, but as is usually the case, there are some metrics to help explain the issues there. Um, the one thing that is a little bit bizarre to me is that this is a guy that, you know, for the better part of, you know, 13 seasons was a, you know, t- roughly 12% shooter. Last year, he shoots 7.9%. This year, he's shooting 6.5%. Like, do we, can we reasonably Hawk expect lock. this, his shot volume to improve back to 12%? Um, is it just the fact that the Blackhawks are hot garbage and then they can just, everybody can focus in on Patrick Kane that he's just not getting the same looks that he used to? I, like, where does Patrick Kane go from here? Shooting even point eight percent, even if he bumps it up to nine percent uh, on his current what six point eight on the year. I mean, you're you're with those shots and that volume, you're gonna get a lot better production. Um, obviously, like he's he's probably at his lowest value he's ever been at in the last couple of years, and and I don't know, he's still at a point per game. So you can convince someone to get rid of him for something light. I, I would do it. Uh, we don't usually see, well, we do see the apples. We just don't usually see this lack of production in goals. Um, I mean, I've said it about the other guys, like this, the, the numbers all kind of come out in the wash. And I think that's going to happen with Patty Kane again at the end of the year. Um, like you said, 108 shots in 29 games. We really like that. That's like our thing. That's yeah. And to, to your point, Brock, it's certainly, you know, wouldn't be the first time that we've seen uh, a player shooting percentage dwindle over, you know, the twilight of their career. Um, but for, you know, a player like Kane's talent and he's, you know, he's not that old, he's 34 years old. I mean, but the last co- or 33 years old, apologize, but the last couple of years is age 32 and, and 33 season. Um, but yeah, to see it be, you know, it, to see such a substantial drop off from, as you said, the two seasons before that shooting around 12%, which is career average. Uh, and then the last two dropping around 7%. Uh, yeah. It's, especially when you consider obviously last year was a shortened season and we're about a quarter way through or a third way through um, this NHL season. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's tempting to say he's getting older, the team's getting worse, but, but to me, that's just, it, it just seems to be, uh, I know you guys might probably get tired of hearing it to the listeners, but it's, it's more puck luck than anything else. Um, the nice thing about Kane is that he shoots so much and he creates so many opportunities for his teammates and he gets so many assists um that he can still be a point per game player or in the case of last season 66 points in 56 games while shooting uh woefully below his career shooting percentage so uh no he's not going to be you know a heart trophy winner 106 110 points uh when he's shooting seven percent obviously um but he's regardless at, at this point with the chances he creates with ice time that he gets and the shots that he gets off he's he's like a lock for a point per game i think that's what this season is showing us more than anything else mm-hmm Right there. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I talked about it a little bit earlier. If, if you kind of add what we've played already this season and last season together, you basically get a full season. Um, and still over that stretch, 85 games, it would be for Patrick Kane, 72 assists. So the assist production remains elite. 94 points over that stretch, but 22 goals is a far cry from what we've been you know, accustomed to seeing um, prior to that, you know, 33, yeah. Well, he's always kind of fluctuated a little bit, right? Cause he, mm-hmm. he shoots the puck so much. So when he has a hot, a hot year, like he can score 40 goals. And when he has a bad year, you know, he can be around 20. So. Absolutely. Um, sorry, moving on here. I was just, I, 
Evan Rodriguez scored again, and I just cannot believe how hot that guy yeah. is. He's probably something we should have talked about uh, earlier in the show. 12 shot night, I can't stop thinking about Evan Rodriguez, man. Yeah, he, he's just he's mind. he's absolutely insane. Uh, two, uh, a couple other players that we probably should have included in the trending up topic, and we'll talk about them a little bit more next week because we just talk about them so much that I felt like we should give them a little bit of a breather. But um, Jesper Bratt, the Bratt Pack, and, and Jack Hughes. Um, are just are just insane like they are so hot right now um they each have a goal or sorry brad has a goal and an assist already tonight that gives brad um 10 goals and 22 assists on the year um and jack hughes has his 10th and 11th assist tonight he missed obviously a large portion of the season so that Man, those I'm two in like also a, just insanely hot i'm in a tiny league like it's like a like you have like two bench players and i played jesper brad tonight over mark shifley and while <laughs> i was doing my morning you know bathroom stuff and i was making that decision i just sat there and i was like what a crazy world i live in when i'm playing jesper brat like confidently confident as fuck you, you didn't have to shifley. think didn't even have to think about it that's just not a brainer not for one second and and look <laughs> at him doing it again and, and look at me probably about to tweet about how awesome jesper brad is i love this guy he's so like, funny when you yeah. click that like start all active players on yahoo and just see like jesper brad on the bench you're like no, no not a chance he's no, no way Jes- yeah jesper brad as we all thought must start in any 18 plus league um yeah i'm, I'm saying do it yeah, this is jesper brad's world and we're just living in it Hell um yeah. Moving on to another star winger that just really has not done a whole heck of a lot as of late. Um, and that's Mitch Marner. Obviously, you know, the production <laughs> this, this still is a little harsh by you, Brock. A little. It, it's just. He does deserve it, though, a little from bit. What you he were, came what, back two games ago. He's been pointless in the two games since he's been back. It's just general and, numbers, though. Okay. Sorry, I shouldn't so you, so I we think that. You off as early as I did. We think that eight <laughs> points in his last 13 games is acceptable for a player that was drafted. Is- I think twenty in his last nineteen overall. is just fine. How far back do you want to go? I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just looking at his last thirteen. He's got eight points <laughs> since the middle of November. He's got eight points in his last thirteen games. That's all I'm saying. I just, yeah. I, you know, it's just, it's been a little bit of a cold stretch. I'm, you know, obviously, if Jesper Bratt only had thirteen points or eight points in his last nineteen games or whatever we're talking about here, I'd be like, you know, came back down to earth. This is Mitch Marner getting drafted fourteenth overall. Um, you know, one spot ahead of Jonathan Huberto, who we were just talking about being like a fantasy god. It's cold. Yeah. For somebody uh, that you pick, I I think you're really just picking the game log here, dude. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, of course. I, 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 He's I'm, got 20 I'm, points in his last 19 games. He started the season with one point in his first seven. He got right back on track. He got hurt. He's come back, and he hasn't got a point in his last two. And you're extending like part of the cold streak. Like two games he had of scoreless before the injury, and then he had four points in three games, and then he had another two pointless games. So I don't think it's as justified as some of the other ones. I, I get the concern. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still, I guess with the guys we've been talking about, it's not like any of them are having terrible years. But yeah, I, I don't, sorry, I jumped at it a little quickly, but I, I think you're being. <laughs> No, I think it's a great buy low because if someone is looking at his year-long numbers, they do look a lot worse than, like you said, you kind of hope that people don't look at his last 20. You hope that people do look at his last 13. Um, I think it's just crazy that he's doing this while the Leafs are playing so fucking good. Like the Leafs right now are, are, I believe they're top five in league goal scoring. And you have your best, best assist man, not even putting up the numbers that he can. Um, I I think in a week's time, we could very easily be talking about how, you know, Marner's back at, 
doing this crazy shit again because he has Zabinijad like um, streak abilities, but he also is a lot more consistent than Zabinijad. I, I find. So I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not really worried here either, D. And I. But I. I mean, I love how Brock's stirring the pot. So I'm, I'm so here <laughs> to just watch you guys go at it. But yeah, um, Marner's having a. He's having a bit of a down year. So in that case, you can for buy sure. it, buy low for sure. Um, this is a guy who who easily could touch 100 points at any given time in any season, and it's not going to be this year. Um, and I think people are also going to be pissed at him, but, um, that's why you can get him. Go I get think, Mitch. I think like I mean, part, forget- of, part of the reason I'm saying it is just that when you look at what, um, you're also getting from, from Nylander, Tavares, Marner, or, or uh, Matthews, excuse me. It's like, it's just not quite the same. Like, it seems like those guys are on the score sheet every single night and Marner's not granted. He was out. Obviously I, I understand that. I just think it's not, it's not the same production that we've, been accustomed to seeing it you'd be like oh maybe the Leafs are struggling but the rest the other three are absolutely uh shredding it still it's just it's a little bit lower than what you'd expect from a guy that, it's in his weird. last I don't know how. 13 games it's just not that great in my opinion I'll let you, I'll let I, you think, the floor. I personally would never look at a game log stretched over a month injury and combine them and, and call that a cold streak but that's just that's just me um no but obviously we'd all want this guy on our team moving forward the rest of the 100%. year i've been pretty hard on mitch marner and you know he's far from my favorite maple leaf but uh <laughs> yeah he's obviously still an incredible playmaker and he's gonna be playing 20 minutes a night on austin matthews wing so yes he's been very underwhelming to this point um i would have maybe waited a week let him have a few more bad games and then we could throw him on here and talk about it but uh yeah i'm starting to think brock paid jake muzzin to take him out in practice there yeah so, hey, rumors, hey, are, hey. rumors are spreading the one thing that is interesting about Mitch Marner, right? Like, I mean, the numbers are still pretty decent, 21 and 26. Um, mm-hmm. Career low shooting percentage, 9.5. On a shooting percentage is 10.7, which would be high for anybody else, but that would be his lowest mark of his career. Um, Beebs, while you were talking, I don't know if you could see me freaking out, but, uh, well, one, Jake Gensel scored again. And oh, two, scoring. Two, that just happened. Nikita Kucherov made the grossest pass to Braden Point, and it's just so nice to have Hasn't Nikita, missed a beat. Ha, to have Nikita Kucherov. He loves doing that, eh? Like oh he just my loves God. coming back after missing months away and just being yeah. like, "Yeah, I'm I'm one of the, one of the three best players in the world." So, yeah, yeah, he is just absolutely insane. I love that Shifley scored right away. Um, all right, well, we have one more guy that's been a little bit cold. I hope that D doesn't yell at me about it, um, but it's Andre Svechnikov, um, which fine. is a which is a guy Hello. that we uh, we obviously you know hope the hope for the best for, um, but just somebody that probably gets drafted too early for our liking year after year. He has just five points, three goals, two assists in his last twelve games. Again, probably cherry picking the game log a little bit, but that's still any <laughs> point in time. You know, 12, 12 game stretch, you only got five points. It's not very good from a player that you drafted most likely. Uh, where was he taken again? Probably Actually, like fifth, according to NHL.com. I, I think he was around 20. I think he was uh, late second. 27th. 27th overall, ahead of Kirill Kaprizov and Steven Stamkos and Jake Gensel. So puke, 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 yeah, puke. He, um, is we, he is who we thought he was. I mean, he's putting up the same type of production that we've seen the last couple of years. It kind of just sucks. He's, he's, he's I think he's just stuck in Carolina's system of awesome players. And as long as Rob Brendamore is there coaching, I don't know if he's ever going to you know become this this over a point per game player that all these people think he is to start the year every single fucking year. Um, I think he's like a 70 point guy and it's pretty like what I'm, I'm a little worried. I'm like, when are we just going to, when's it going to like kick in? 
that that's like yeah I, thing. I i think that i think he you know to your point Beavs, i and you know i think it could be in carolina too but obviously there's a lot more competition for ice time there i, I yeah. think the only thing holding him back at this point from being you know a point per game player and kind of pushing himself into that next echelon is the ice time and that's something mm-hmm. that we've expressed as a concern like yes it's a positive that you know there's a mocked potential there but yeah there's only so much damage you can do um at 17 minutes a night like if, if you look at the point scores across the lead like you know all of them are up around 19, 20 minutes. It might not seem like a lot, but you know, it, it just ends up capping your production uh, a little bit, and it makes these cold streaks that much harder um, to bear if you're the fantasy owner. But he does everything the right way as far as we're like, concerned. Yeah, I was yeah. saying extra two minutes, like two shots for this guy, and two shots. I mean, one if one of two was going in every, you know, that's a lot more production for him. Sorry to cut you yeah. off. Yeah. No, no, you're exactly right, and uh, yeah, the shot volume is is one of the reasons why we we've always liked him, but. Um, yeah, we're, we're never, we're never the type to draft on, on potential. Um, you know, if we like to use it as a tiebreaker, right. If it, if it's him or another guy and we're kind of projecting them around the same thing and this guy's got more upside, obviously we're going to go with the guy that has upside, but yeah, his ADP has never really been justified, uh, by his performance this year. Hasn't been any different. Um, maybe next year he'll fall about 10 spots, um, deeper in the draft and he'll get that much better that it'll finally be, um, half decent value. But. We all know he's going even higher than last year. He's probably going at like fucking 18. True. He's banging a little bit less though. That's that's too. He's just got 44 hits in, in 28 games. And that's always been uh, a big draw for him in standard leagues. Rod Brindamer just loves playing him with Jordan Stahl. It's just his favorite thing to do. And every time I see him, it's like, well, that is so It's the ultimate like ceiling cap. It's like, it's like he just puts like, just puts this lid on his ceiling and he's like, here's Jordan Stahl. You've been capped. It's yeah, like, it's like hey, yeah, just so much sure. you can do with him. Hey, yes, Barry Cockney Emmy, go play with Vincent Trocek. Hey, Andre, you're playing with Jordan Stall tonight. It's like, what are we doing here? But um, all right, that is going to do it for the first half of today's show. Enjoy the Blue Stones because, you know, normally we haven't been doing this in the middle of the show, but it's been so long. We had somebody tweet at us earlier today that said they were just listening to the Blue Stones so that they could feel like they were listening to the DFO podcast. They were having DFO <laughs> podcast withdrawals. So they listened to uh, the Blue Stones. So we'll give you some Blue Stones mid show. When we get back, we're just going to break down the Vesna Norris and Calder Trophy really quick, who our favorite picks are, and then we'll send you on your way. It's good to be back. Baby, be my fire. Baby, be my flame. Baby, be the softly burning embers through December into Ladies and gentlemen, to season seven, episode 20 of the PFO podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed those sweet, sweet licks from the Blue Stones. Uh, we're going to get right into it here. Uh, second half of the show, more like, you know, second part of the show, because it's not going to be anywhere near as long as the first half. But 
uh, yeah, as Brock alluded to, um, we're going to be looking at some NHL awards probably in the next couple weeks. We'll, we'll do the rest of them next week and dig through um, some future bets here. So we'll talk about, you know, who we think, if we agree with who they have, you know, as, as the favorites and, and maybe talk about who we like um, as a value bet as well. So we're doing uh, Vesna, Norris, and Calder today. Uh, and I think we're going to start with Vesna. Um, that is right. Perfect. Wherever you want to uh, guide so- us, dude. So, uh, Brock, why don't you lead us off here and walk us through the updated odds for the Vesna Trophy winner of the 2021-2022 NHL season? Yeah, so unsurprisingly right now, Andre Vasilevsky is the uh, yeah, favorite. Boy. But, um, it, you know, the Vesna is one that's a little bit difficult to handicap. So regardless of who you're interested in betting on, um, pretty long odds for just about anybody at this moment in time. No one's really kind of broken away and, and taken it. So right now the uh, clubhouse leader is Andre Vasilevsky at plus 550. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs' Jack Campbell is next at plus 600. Igor Shesterkin for the New York Rangers plus 700. Uh, Frederick Anderson plus 1100, Jacob Markstrom plus 1200, Sergey Bobrovsky plus 1400, wow. Connor Hellebuck plus 20 or plus 1800, UC Saros also plus 1800, Tristan Jari also plus 1800. And I know you guys thought I was going to read through the entire NHL, but the last one uh, at 25 to 1 is Thatcher Demko. So, Brock's favorite uh, goalie. Beebs, we'll let you start here because I got to confirm the goalie for the New York Rangers as we speak. And uh, who's your favorite Vesna pick right now? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I want to go with uh, Big JC out in Toronto, but I'll leave that one for D uh, because Jack Campbell certainly has a case. But if I'm going to go with the next best thing, I had to look at Igor out in uh, out in New York. This is Igor Shesterkin. I think we're going to have the Jack Campbell Igor Shesterkin debate all year. Um, and I kind of love it because both these guys are putting up freakish seasons. Shostirkin currently has 15 wins and 20 starts. He's second in the NHL with a 936 save percentage, third in the NHL with a 209 goals against. He's got a total lock on that starter spot. And uh, New York right now, they're they're kind of they're thriving while only being 14th in league scoring. Um, one thing that certainly bodes more better for Jack Campbell is his team scoring overall. Um, but you know, Shostirkin just seems this guy's crazy. Um, I really don't have a case for him over Campbell other than the fact that I think that I, I, I just see him doing it throughout the whole year longer. We've just seen it more from his past. Um, but at the same time, you know, I really want to see Jack Campbell win that fucking Vesna, but at plus 700, Igor Shosturkin, um, I think he's a nice bet. He's not a safe bet, but he's a nice bet and he's New York's number one goalie. We know that no matter what, um, no one's taking that spot from him. This guy's, like I said, he's look at his numbers. He's done it in every league, the KHL. Did it here, did it in the AHL. Um, you know, we're just continuing to watch the process. Um, Igor Sturkin is nasty, and that's my pick. Almost the perfect timing here. So uh, I bet the under tonight, Vegas, the Rangers, you know, fully expecting it to be Igor Shosturkin, Robin Lehner, right as we're talking about Igor Shosturkin, COVID-19 protocol, comes up and Stop. gets him. Stop. Yeah. Yeah, Alexander well, Georgiev in net tonight for the New York Rangers. Gorgs. Yeah, next couple days, no Igor Shosturkin. <sighs> Classic. Yep. Welcome to 2022. Scrap my whole fucking segment right there. He's going to be no, up for I'm five days, no, not I love five him. months. I love, <laughs> I love him. I'm kidding. Overreaction, we're good. D, who's your favorite and why is it Jack Campbell? Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if Jack would be my favorite, like, Certainly, you have to, you know, if we're thinking about favorite, we're, you know, if I'm thinking from a betting perspective, like, you know, we're, 
track record heavily plays into that. Uh, and Vasquezky obviously has that over Campbell. Um, narratives do tend to play uh, a role in this. The, the media drives the conversation a lot, but it's important to note that the Vesna is voted by the general managers uh, who probably won't be swayed by that as much as uh, anyone else. And, and, you know, I, I like Campbell a lot. I, I think if him and Vasilevsky continue to play just as they had down the stretch, uh, I think the fact that obviously we give it to both of them. <laughs> obviously Vasilevsky's won the trophy before. Um, and I, I think the fact that Campbell is kind of having a, a breakout season and he's, you know, on a one and a half million dollar contract and they brought in Peter Morazic at, you know, two or three times the, the money in the off season. And he just completely has outplayed him. And, you know, his play as much as anything else is the reason why the Maple Leafs have, have been so successful this season. So I, I do think that if, if, you know, if the season ended today, I think Campbell would get the, get the award simply because it's a toss up. And I, I think they would go with kind of the breakout star, as opposed to the guy who um, has done it, won it before. And who's got, you know, the two time defending cup champs playing in front of him. Uh, in terms of value, I think Tristan Yari is unbelievable value right now at plus mm-hmm. 1800. Like I, I was shocked that we had to scroll that far down um, to find him. His numbers are, are right in par with Campbell at Vasilevsky's um, at this point in the season. He still has a sub two goals against average, um, 16 wins, five losses uh, and four overtime losses uh, in the 25 games. He's played a one eight, nine goals against average, a nine thirty four save percentage. Uh, and, you know, it's obviously not a stretch to say that without his stellar play, even with league average goaltending with, you know, the, the, all the injuries that they've had to play through this season. Uh, I, I think, you know, if they haven't been getting the goaltending uh, from Yari that they have been, there's no, there's no way that they're yeah. in a playoff spot like they are now. And, you know, they're just five points out of the division lead with two games in hand. So uh, I think if they hold on to a playoff spot or better yet, you know, get a little hot down the stretch with now the fact that they're getting healthier uh, and make a push for that division, I, I think, you know, if they win that division, and again, Yari keeps his numbers right in line with with Vashkolevsky and Campbell, he'll at the very least be a finalist. So the fact that he's, you know, 11 or 10 names down on this list and he's 18 to 1, uh, I think that's tremendous value. And uh, yeah, I think if um, if the Penguins end up having that season, you know, general managers aren't going to be able to overlook uh, Yari's contribution there. So I, I think he's a really good bet to end up being a finalist. So he's, I, I think he's great value with where he's at right now. Yeah, especially when you factor in the fact that the Penguins have won um, 10 games in a row, red hot, to be sure. Um, uh, similar to that, I actually really like UC Soros at the exact same odds, 18 to 1, um, because, you know, everybody expected the Lightning to be good this year, the Maple Leafs to be good, the Hurricanes, the Penguins to be pretty good. I don't think anybody expected the Nashville Predators to be as good as they are. Uh, Coming into tonight, they were leading um, the Central Division um, in points. If you were looking at the points percentage, which makes a little bit more sense, they're number two behind only the Colorado Avalanche. At the moment, UC Saros is tied for second in the NHL in wins, fifth in save percentage, eighth in goals against average, and sixth in shutouts. Um, 927 save percentage, 223 goals against average. So, uh, just absolutely terrific splits. And, you know, as well as that team has played, you'd have to attribute a lot of their success thus far to um, UC Soros. So, you know, do I think that UC Soros is the favorite to win the trophy? Certainly not. Um, similar to Tristan Jari, probably not the guy who's the front runner, obviously, right now. That's why he's 18 to 1. But two guys that, um, are definitely have positioned themselves very nicely at this point to be worthy of, of bets at 18 to one, um, because if they are able to continue this and, you know, 
to me, if Nashville finishes second in the central behind only the avalanche, how do you not give it to this guy? Like nobody had these, this is them as a playoff team this year. And then he just magically turned them into the second best team in one of the toughest divisions in the NHL. Um, I think the only thing that's going to hurt him is just how crazy bonkers the other fellows seasons are, because some of these other goalies are just like, we're, we're seeing like historic seasons here. It seems like from Campbell, just even vast. So it's, it's just crazy. Um, but no, I love them. I love those deep picks fellas. Oh, who? Okay. So Soros, um, Jari, those are, you know, good values. If you had to pick though, right now, who is your Vesna trophy candidate winner at this moment in time? Mine would be Shesterkin. How about you two? Just if you had to pick one guy. Jack. You think Shesterkin deserves the trophy if they were giving it out today? I think so, yeah. That team is just not that that good either. Jack He's Campbell. just been insane. Um, I, I got to be impartial here. Or I got to be totally partial here, I should say, and, and go with Campbell. I like, but I, I think, I mean, we talked about it, you know, I'm assuming it'll change the, the further out we get into the season, but there's been so many goaltenders that are just posting unbelievable splits this year. Um, and as yeah. you know, there's four or five that are, are probably, you know, integral to the fact that their teams are, are leading the division or, or within a few yeah. games of the division lead. I think you put an asterisk on the Predators division lead with the Avs having five games in hand right now. But yeah, uh, nevertheless, like, like you said, Brock, um, very impressive. And yeah, it, you know, it's uh, like you said, not something you expected to see. Um, and it's probably, you know, why that the odds haven't quite caught up yet. And I think within a, a few weeks time, um, we'll see a pretty big shift there with Soros and Yari, uh, especially moving up the odds. Yeah. And that's kind of why I brought it show, up. I was going to say, we haven't even talked about Frederick Anderson here as, a, as a person, it just goes to show how good goaltending is. Frederick Anderson right now has a nine thirty save percentage. He's won 17 of 21 games and he only, and he has a below two goals against average. Boys, that that wins a Vesna in any normal year, um, and Fred yeah. doesn't even doesn't even get a shutout here. He's at plus one thousand or plus a thousand and a hundred. Wow. So yeah, it, there's been like like we said, there's been five or six guys that have been playing at a, a Vesna standard this year. So it's just going to be as much about who can maintain their performance uh, more than anything else. Yeah, I, I think that Anderson, too, from this point forward, probably starts the least amount of games out of some of these guys on this list. You know, you. you I, Anti Ronte is not just your ordinary backup. Um, all right, yeah, and this is kind of why I wanted to talk about because when I looked at these odds today, I was like, man, these are really sticking out to me, some of these guys. Uh, probably a little bit less of a debate uh, for these other trophies. And Beebs, we'll definitely start with you with the Norris. But to give the odds, Kale McCarr plus 225, Adam Fox plus 350, Victor Hedman plus 600, Aaron Ekblad plus 800. Uh, 10 to 1, Roman Yossi, 14 to 1, Charlie McAvoy, 14 to 1, John Carlson, 18 to 1, both Dougie Hamilton and Miro Heiskanen. And at 25, yeah, yeah. And at 25 to 1, Devon Taves. So, uh, yeah. Biebs, you've got two Colorado Avalanche to pick from there. I'm assuming you're probably leaning a little bit more towards Kale McCarr than Devon Taves, though. Yeah, I was actually worried we weren't going to be able to have a show tonight. My jaw was still on the floor from that goal the other night by McCarr. Um, Absolutely it was wild. It's going to be an issue. It's been a couple of days. I was um, going to say, I want to know what his odds were to win it before he scored that goal. <laughs> uh, they're probably incredibly high. This goal production is absolutely bonkers. It's a guy who's on pace for 43 goals. And, fellas, that would be third all-time by a defenseman behind a couple guys named Bobby Orr and Paul Coffey. I don't know if you guys have ever, ever heard of them. Personally, I never have. I think I pronounced both their names wrong. Um, but they did that both a bajillion years back. I'm just kidding, about 30 years back and 40 years back. But again, that 43, obviously, it's a pretty 
it seems like unsustainable pace, but this is after this guy had a slow start, quote unquote. I read an article about five games in about how maybe he's not what he thought he was. And that just, I'm sure he read the same article and it just buttered his bread, got him pissed off. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that the odds should be even worse. The only thing in his way right now is, uh, is probably COVID-19 or an injury, but he's also done all of this without playing with Nathan McKinnon. I think that's going to count for a couple more, just whatever assists on the side. More than a point per game at 28 points in 25 games. Um, we're just seeing crazy production here. He's only 15 goals off of uh, Brent Burns' 29 that he put up, and that's been the highest that any D-man's done in the last 12 years. Um, and, I mean, only 15 from a D-man is a hilarious thing to say. But when we're seeing production like this, it's 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 happening on both 5v5 and, and power play. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish here because I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm welling up. I'm getting way too excited. But honestly, it's just like I would have a tough time putting money anywhere else right now. Um, it seems like the best is still yet to come. And uh, and we're seeing crazy shit right now happen. I can't even make a case for anyone else to win the the Norris. There isn't, there isn't one. I think Victor Hedman's his biggest threat right now. Um, I think Adam Fox is just too similar of an archetype. And, you know, the Norris Trophy is voted on by the Professional Hockey Writers Association. Um and we've seen them in the past kind of default to the more, uh, I guess, prototypical NHL defenseman that, you know, you can depend on in your own end as much as you can on the other end. And I, I don't think you can quite say that for Kale McCarr right now. He's amazing. He's the best offensive defenseman in the NHL. But is he on par with Victor Hedman in his own zone? I don't think it's particularly close. Um, mm-hmm. But that's yeah. just me per- yeah. personally. Um, Victor Hedman is having a very, very good season. He's got 36 points as of tonight in 36 games. Um, so yeah, I, I think at this rate, obviously Makar's head and shoulders. Um, and I think it's really nice for the hockey writers association to have those moments of brilliance to kind of hold on to, uh, to help justify the, at least maybe going against their, um, you know, traditional values, but it's a trend we've seen bucked in recent years, especially with Adam Fox winning it last year. And certainly Makar to this point, I think has been as much of a deserving winner, if not more than Fox was last year. And yeah, he's been the best defenseman at this point. I don't think there's any question about that, but he has to continue to do what he's doing. Like, I think he has to be heading away. Like I said, the best offensive talent on the blue line in the league. I think if he slips back at all and had been still above a point per game. And yes, you know, regardless of how you feel, Beavs, the I can guarantee you that the Professional Hockey Writers Association definitely thinks that Victor Hedman is a better, you know, defensive defenseman than Kale McCarr. I mean, if just look at them. Kale McCarr looks like a winger. You gotta watch it though. He, he, he I do, I do watch speed. it. He's great, he but I mean, speed. there's just there's just limitations to his size. But when Ooh. compared to a guy like Hedman, right? Like they just, I and Makar skates circles around Hedman. There's no question about that, and he's a much better player in the offensive zone. But like I said, he needs to really drive home that advantage because Hedman's having one of the best seasons of his career. So I think if he slips up at all, if he misses games, if he, you know, if he spends too much time on COVID protocol. Like, I, I think there's, especially in this day and age, nothing's a guarantee. So I was, you know, certainly think it's justified that he's far and away the runaway favorite. But I do think Hedman at plus 600 is some pretty nice value. Like, I, I don't really think. He no, Hedman was my actual last... value pick. Um, yeah, so I don't I think there's a time in the last four or five years that you'd be able to find him at that rate. And obviously, McCarr's play has a big thing to do with that. But the goal scoring is where the biggest impressive, or it's where it's been most impressive, right? Like, Hedman assist per game is, is beating McCarr this year. McCarr scoring a goal every other game, which is phenomenal, but he's shooting 19%, which is obviously, as we know, 
pretty unsustainable and especially unsustainable from the blue line. Again, he's a unique and special talent. And yeah, if he continues to do anywhere close to what he's done to this point, I, I think he's running away with the trophy. Um, but if that goal production slips up a little bit and Hedman keeps playing as well as he can, I think it could be at least a much closer conversation by the end of the season. I, I think, you know, it, it's obviously going to be very difficult uh, for me to argue with either one of those picks. But I, I think if we are looking at, you know, some of the other value guys, I think Aaron Eckblad probably has to be mentioned much for the same reason that you talked about. <laughs> went to our uh, high school. Do you know that? That's why he has to be mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, that, he it, went, yeah. It, and much for the same reason, though, that you just you just mentioned there, D, is that, you know, at the end of the day, the Professional Hockey Writers Association is still looking for a guy that is big and tough and excels in the defensive zone because half those guys still probably don't even know what analytics are. You know, and Aaron Ekblad is that guy. He's very sturdy in his own end, can play a tough and rugged game, and contributes on the offensive side of the puck. Is Aaron Ekblad, you know, definitely going to win the Norris Trophy? Almost guaranteed not. But, yeah. I, you know, I, I think value-wise, there is something to be said there. If if he can get on some kind of heater here um, down the stretch, or not even down the stretch, but in the second half of the season, I think Aaron Ekblad has a, a reasonable opportunity there. Um, and I think Charlie McAvoy, probably the same thing. You know, just a guy that... that people recognize as a really good defenseman in his own end and uh, maybe not just somebody who can put up points. Not that Makar is bad defensively by any stretch, but yeah, that, that, just, that wasn't the point I was trying to make either. I hope that the archetype was oh, no, kind no, no, of no. what you what you were getting at though. Like they're, they're just, they're looking for something different, yeah. but Adam Fox maybe paved the way for Kale Makar this year, which yeah. is I think and, and the opposite Carlson, of what people expect. And Carlson fought that bottle for a long time, right? Like, mm. okay, so Carlson's best four years in Ottawa boys, he had 74 points, 66 points, 82 points, 71 points. He won one Norris trophy and it came in the exactly. season where he put up 66 points. So, like, I, again, I it was much more of a conversation at that time. Defense. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, I mean, for, for sure. But, I mean, Carlson was, was pretty outstanding in his own end and breaking out of his own end more than anything. Yeah. Um, and not playing with Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> and I think to McCarr's... Uh, I guess in McCarr's favor, I think Carlson, like I said, fought that that battle for him. And I, I think the selection of Fox last year has kind of shown that they've, they've come a long way in that regard. And that's why I think he's as big of a favorite to win it right now as he is, you know. Um, so, yeah, like I said, he'd be my pick. Absolutely. Uh, but I think he needs to continue to, to prove himself as far and away the clear cut offensive defenseman, because I think lazy PHWA voters are, are going to look at him and Hedman. If they're at all close in point totals, they're going to say Hedman's the guy I'd rather have on the ice for the last 30 seconds of the Stanley cup game seven. So that's the guy I'm going to give my Norris trophy to. He needs to make it. So, it, you know, it's, there's without doubt that, that he's well, and he has and put up scoring goals like that game in his last, you know, hundred games. So it, it's, yeah, he's he phenomenal. Can. But like I said, the biggest problem is Hedman's won Norris trophies with being outproduced by guys and having much worse offensive seasons than he's had. And again, I, at this point, like McCarr, like I said, runaway favorite. Uh, but yeah, I think there's uh, at least some sort of threat there. I don't, you know, there's 60 games yeah. left to play. So, Oh no, that's exactly. And all it takes, like I said, one, you know, one COVID spiel, one, yeah, injury, one injury, who knows. Right, yeah. Um, and, and I think and, if that happens, like Hedman, yeah, Hedman's like head and shoulders at that point. I, I, I know Fox is having a great season. I know he won the award last year, but Hedman didn't have as good of an offensive season as he's having right now. So I'm really surprised to see that Fox is so far ahead of Hedman in the odds right now. Uh, and it's part of why I like one, him as much. Which is kind of wild when I was looking at this before. I kind of expect yeah. him to have more than one, but only one. Yeah, and, you know, I, it could come down to, again, if it gets anywhere close to the toss-up, they could look at it and say, McCarr's got, you know, how many Norris trophies ahead of him. Hedman should probably have two or three at this point, so... Uh, yeah, it, they like it, to get lazy like that. Like I said, these these awards voted by the writers are a little dangerous sometimes. 
I, I think if there's one guy that could quickly rise up these ranks in the next two weeks, it's it's Hedman, right? He's a he's he's a one week one solid offensive week away from being the favorite winning this trophy. Um, all right, let's talk about the Calder, which uh, is kind of boiled down to basically three players at this point. Um, obviously, there's some some outside chances here, but uh, it's really kind of boiled down to Lucas Raymond at plus 175, Trevor Zegers at plus 200, and Marit Sider at plus 550. Um, some longer odds, you've got Michael Bunting at 18 to 1. He's 35 years old. Dawson Mercer, 20 to 1. Tanner Janot, 20 to 1. Jeremy Swayman, 25 to 1. And Alex Nedeljkovic, 25 to 1. I personally, you know, this is this is basically my glory right now. Three yeah. Red Wings within the top, whatever, eight players for the Calder Trophy. Um, Future's bright. Rebuild is going pretty well. Got to be and, brighter than the past. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> the present, can't, I should say. Uh, I mean, the past was pretty good too. We had That's a, why I backed last, it up. That's why I backed it up. Anyways, um, I'll start it off here since clearly, um, you yeah, know, go crazy. I, I, as as terrific and outstanding and amazing um, as Lucas Raymond has been this season, uh, I, I, I think that it's Marit Sider um, would be my pick, at least for a bet right now. Uh, I, I think at 550, he's probably the best value on this board. Obviously, you're not getting a whole lot out of Zegris and, and Raymond there at plus 175 and plus 200. So, Sider would be my guy to, to for him to be able to kind of come into the NHL uh, at such a young age and just immediately be, um, you know, a, a, a top pairing defenseman. He's averaging almost 23 minutes a night. He has 22 points in 34 games as a defenseman. To me, obviously, you know, a little bit more flashy. You've got Lucas Raymond, and then obviously Trevor Zegers is just the flashiest that there is. Um, but he's only got six less points than Lucas Raymond, and he's a defenseman. So to me, I think if you're looking at this board, it's really hard to not look at Marit Sider and say, hey, that is a guy that I want uh, to bet on right now because it's just the numbers are pretty comparable, and he's playing defense. No, I'm going to be completely honest. That was also my choice. Um, I took it with full intentions that you would as well. Um, I just kind of wanted to continue to pump your tires. He obviously leads all rookies in, in time on ice by a substantial margin. Um, we're talking about how much a guy means to a team. You cannot find someone on here. I think that means more than most cider right now. Um, at plus, I was actually surprised to see it be plus 5,500. Um, 550. But, but, or 550, sorry. Um, but there we are, Brock. Um, but um I guess I'll, I'll say my value pick because obviously nothing fun about jumping on your back there, but my value pick would be Tanner Janot out in Nashville. This is a guy who's actually been uh, a fantasy favorite these last couple of weeks because Nashville is actually playing hockey because uh, they just don't worry about COVID. So that's, it's been great. He's been up and down that lineup currently on the third line, which is hurting his value, but he's currently first in rookie goal scoring tied with your boy, Lucas Raymond with 10 goals. He's first in rookie penalties, which is hilarious, with 50 minutes. For those of you who play in weird leagues like D and I have one that has that as a stat, he has nine points in his last 30 days. Uh, that's good for four goals, five assists. So he's kind of one of the hotter rookies right now, and two of those are game-winning goals. If, uh, if they can move him back on that second line, uh, I think there's there, there's a potential that Tanner Janot could surprise some people because I think he might actually lead all rookies in in goals by by the time this is done. Just Lucas Raymond's really slowing down. Um, Trevor Zegers is, you know, he's a pass first guy. Um, but no, and I mean, I just wanted to make a case for Tanner Janot because that name needs some respect because he pretty much won me last week in fantasy. So I love this man. Um, <laughs> you heard me. I love this man. He yeah. has uh 10 points, five goals, five assists in his last 11 games. He's definitely been playing very well. The one thing that 
um, I like about Genoa and I like about the Nashville Predators is they are a heavy, hard team to play against. And a lot of that has to do with Tanner Genoa and Yakov Trenin. Um, just absolute monsters, hitting machines. Uh, Tanner Genoa just goes out there and hits absolutely everything. So um, the chances of him moving up the lineup are pretty slim just because he's uh, got a very kind of uh, like a role on that team, right? You've got Sissons, you've got Trenin, you've got Janot. They're out there to go up there and just absolutely crush crush yeah, people. Um, but That's also, horrible. you know, chip in offensively. He has 109 hits in 34 games. So very defined role. Yeah. Do you, who um, you like? And why is it Michael I, Bunting? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not even close. I think I think Bunting would have to have a pretty ridiculous second half and, and put himself like 10 points clear, the next closest guy to get it, because he's like 25, and I think that would be held against him um, to a certain degree. And he plays with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Um, if I had to pick one to win it right now, I think all three of Raymond, Zegras, and uh, Sider are all deserving. I, I think Zegras ends up winning it at this point. Because, you know, maybe to the point that you guys showed in picking Cider over Raymond, I, I think they're going to end up splitting the vote in, in a lot of ways, right? Like, again, uh, maybe I'm thinking into this too much, but this is another award that's voted by the Professional Hockey Writers Association. Uh, I think you can pretty much assume almost every West Coast team or every West Coast writer is going to lean towards Zegras. He's already got that, you know, highlight of the year play that these other guys don't have that kind of burns into your, your mind. So I think if it, yeah, if it gets close to the end of the year, obviously the Ducks, you know, they're not having an outstanding season, but relative to the Red Wings, who have actually been playing pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think, it. yeah, maybe a slight advantage there. But I think the biggest thing is those Atlantic riders, Detroit riders, uh, East Coast riders, if, if they are leaning towards one of the two guys, I think they're going to end up, like I said, kind of splitting the vote a little bit. Uh, and maybe Zegris ends up walking away with it. That's the way I kind of see it playing out right now. Because as you said, like there's, there's, you could make a really solid argument for Raymond or Cedar, and I think Zgress is right on point with that. And, yeah, just the way it works, guys tend to vote for or lean towards the guys that they see play more often and, and cover more. So I think Zgress is pretty much going to end up, at this rate, I think he would get, like, every vote out of the Western Conference. Um, and I think a lot of the Eastern Conference votes would be split up between Raymond and Cedar. So that's how I feel about it. These guys are beat writers more often than not. There's not a lot of senior, you know, national writers that vote on these awards. There are some. Uh, but a lot of them kind of have their own biases that are formed throughout the season because they really only watch one team play. So, Also, yeah. how is Ned still a rookie? Nedalkovich out in Detroit. I feel like that guy's been a rookie for 24 years. I would say Swayman's my value pick, by the way, because I think All if that. Boston gets hot down the stretch and he ends up playing you know, the majority of the games and plays well, if these guys kind of slip off, I, I think there's a chance that he sneaks into the conversation as you know the starting goalie that got a, a team over the hump. So that's um, my thought on that. Yeah, and just really quickly, I would I, I agree with you in terms of like who I think is probably going to end up winning it. I think it most likely will be Zegris, just because you know what we've seen from him. He, he was ice cold, then he got red hot, and he just does special. Milano. He just does special things, and yeah, and he's already and, got a much higher profile than either of those two guys. Yeah, you know, and, and he's justifiable like, or not, but. they're tweeting about him, and he's and, he, and he's kind of a funny guy. He's he's out there and he's doing crazy shit that people haven't seen on the ice yeah. before. And like, who's been and, the most noteworthy rookie this season? Right, that's how writers tend to think of it. It's been yeah. Zegris, right? It's going to be Zegris for that reason, most likely. It, yeah. I, I was looking at more. If I'm going to put my money down today, five fifty mm-hmm. on Cider is is where my money is, but. Um, yeah, I don't think I, he should I, be, I, like I said, I, I think he should be closer to Raymond. It, 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 like all three of those guys, like I said, I think deserve to take it. So he's still good value in that sense. But I mean, I feel like Raymond would almost have to get hurt or just completely fall off for Cider to kind of 
push ahead of him as head and clear, let alone Zegris, right? Yeah, and it doesn't look like he's going to fall off, and hopefully he doesn't get hurt. So that's going to do it for today's edition of the DFO podcast, season seven, episode 20. Uh, we had to do it online for the first yeah. time in a long time. We're in lockdown. No technical issues it was amazing go. it felt wow. so good shout out totally. to d's mom for letting him borrow the laptop and get it done ooh, ooh, ooh. uh because get that ethernet great. connection hopefully i'm clear with the negative covid test we can get back in person next week and uh and bang out season seven episode 21 thank you guys so much for tuning in i'm brock Segan. we got dylan d birds new michael beeps bonnie we'll see you guys back here next week did we not talk about the heart trophy because Kadri would have won it You're telling them that you need a man in who you can defend. Well, I be the gasoline to keep you alive. And I be the cold, so unbreakable. We burn together straight through the night. That's all right. Baby, Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.